Welcome to the Daniel Yoris Podcast. Today, I'm talking to my friend and mentor, Matthew Busan, aka Coach Boss. Let's go. For the first guest on the podcast, it could have been none other than my good friend and mentor, Coach Matthew Busan, aka Coach Boss, who is a coach, a trainer, a scientist, an academic, a poet, a philosopher, an athlete, and an all-around great human being. I met Coach Boss through a course that he was teaching a couple of years back, and we stayed in touch ever since. He has worked with some of the who's who of athletes in MMA, in rugby, in NCAA football, and things of the like, as well as regular people like you and I. So using all of that knowledge and experience, we spoke a lot about the similarities and the differences between high-level athletes and regular people. And the thing that underlies all of that is we're all humans first. There is a person and then there is an athlete. There is a person and then there is a mother or a father or a lawyer or whatever. We also spoke a little bit about the academic field of strength and conditioning and how things do or don't translate from the classroom to the actual field or training room. We could have kept this conversation going for hours. He's a great dude. We get along well. And we have a lot of the same thought processes in the way that we think about this entire field and the way that we approach training for ourselves and for our clients. So I had a lot of fun doing this. I hope you take some things from this that you can apply to your own life. And here it is, my conversation with Coach Matthew Busson. I don't know what I didn't think about is just how to start this, but <laughs> uh, anyways, we'll just start it here. Uh, who cares? We'll just let it roll. What's That's up, Coach? How are you? Happy to, happy much, to talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I, I always um, I pre- appreciate these and get to talk a bit of, bit of chat. <laughs> yeah. For, so for anyone who doesn't know, Coach Matt is a friend and mentor of mine. And you know, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us, tell us where you're from, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Matt Matthew Busson. Um, Busson always get, kind of gets butchered. So my nickname turned into Boss. Um, people just took out the U out of my name. Um, boss is a lot easier to pronounce than Boos. Um, I'm currently living in uh, Hermosa Beach, California. Bit of a long story as to how I got here. Um, but to make a long story short, I grew up in Australia most of my life. Um, lived there until I was about 14. And um, then when I was 14, I moved over to California, went to high school out here. Um, off to high school, I moved to London, studied in London for a year. I actually did an art degree that a lot of people don't know I have um, just because, you know, a lot of the sports and the science stuff over the last pretty much like 10 to 12 years now has kind of taken over. But yes, yeah, so I actually did an art degree um, in London. And then after that, um, I ended up moving back to Australia. So I lived in a place called the Sunshine Coast. Absolutely beautiful. Tiny little beach town just north of Brisbane. Um, 2009, I moved there. So Kind of, um, I was always that kid, right? Like your parents like, oh, just go to college, just go to college, just go to college. So in my head, I'm like, okay, well, I'll tell them I'm going to college, but I'm really going to go be a professional athlete. <laughs> so, right, that was the whole reason for me moving to Australia. In my head, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to play rugby again. I'm going to get really good. I'm going to make a pro team. I, you know, I'm just going to make my way up. Um, so I actually, I, I, so I moved to Australia. I started doing um, my bachelor's degree in uh, sport and exercise science. And then on the side, I, I was, again, trying to start um, playing rugby again. Obviously, I didn't have a whole lot of rugby in high school in America, but um, I did do mixed martial arts. I started in about 2005. So I had about four and a half to five years of, you know, full contact, you know, kind of combat training kind of sports. And then so making the transition from MMA back to rugby, I'm like, oh, this is easy, right? It's a, I just got to take somebody down onto soft grass. I don't have to worry about fists and elbows, you know, flying at my face. So um, you know, just kind of being a, you know, young 20, 20, 21, 22 year old in, in Australia, just trying to play rugby and, and study at the same time. Of course, you know, working part-time jobs just to like, you know, different bars. I worked at a theme park. That was probably actually, I, I'll, now that I think about it is probably one of the worst jobs I ever had. You just had to sit in one spot for like hours and put kids on rides. So anyways, I did that all summer. 
And I left that job. I did like a little bartending job, um, like I mentioned. And so, yeah, the whole time I was, I was pretty much just trying to, trying to play sport, learn about it as much as I possibly could. Um, right. Uh, one week, almost to the day, actually, it was exactly one week after my 21st birthday. I had a really, really bad ankle injury. Um, I tore three ligaments in my ankle, um, at a, at a rugby practice. Um, and then, so that was pretty much the end of any type of career that I was looking to have at that time. Um, and so because I was still studying sport and exercise science and now, you know, taking the actual physical of what I could do was pretty much gone for 10 months. Uh, I pretty much couldn't walk. Um, I was in a fiberglass cost with a, uh, three inch titanium screw in my ankle for about five months. Um, after I got the cost off, I pretty much couldn't bend, you know, Dorsey flex or plantar flex my ankle at all. So I had to do a whole bunch of rehab. So pretty much in, in that time kind of transitioned me and switched my mindset from being like, okay, well, I've just lost my, and, and I was kind of, I'm a smaller, smaller guy. So on the rugby field, my bread and butter was, you know, being speedy and agile and, you know, being out on the wing or fullback and kind of, you know, running and, um, like I said, using my speed. So after my ankle injury, of course, you know, I, I, my speed had significantly um, reduced. And of course, rugby is very competitive in Australia. It's like American football in America. So it's like trying to compete with those guys now with this, you know, kind of trying to come back from an injury. So my mind shift, my mind uh, set, sorry, kind of shifted going from like, all right, well, if I can't play and be the best athlete I possibly can, screw, I'm going to go into coaching. I'm going to be the best coach I possibly can. And I kind of realized at the time being only like 2021, 20, being like, man, if I put in and, you know, 10 years, right. Cause 10 years, you know, the whole 10,000 hours to master and this and that. I was like, if I'm, if I stick to this for the next 10 years, by the time I'm 30, like I'm going to be a pretty damn good coach. So that was kind of my goal. Right. So, um, you know, I just buried myself in the research, just started getting involved in absolutely anything that I could. I still, you know, I kind of had that mind of like, if I'm not going to be athlete, I still want to be around that lifestyle. I still want to be around, you know, that competitiveness. I always, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I even remember, actually, I think I put this on an Instagram post a while ago. I remember, you know, like when you're a kid and, you know, you're in like third grade or something, the teacher, you know, they give you like a worksheet and it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Remember, I, like, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be this. I want to be that. I literally remember writing word for it. I was like, I don't know, but I want to be one of the best in the world at it. So it's kind of like I already had that mindset when I was a little kid. And then as I got older, it was really just about like picking like, all right, I'm going to choose that path. I'm going to be the best at that. Of course, you know, in coaching, yeah, it's so subjective. Like who could really say who's the best coach in the world? Well, me, according to me, if that makes sense. So of course, like, and I don't say that, you know, in any type of like arrogant way, but that's always my mindset of like, I'm constantly getting better. And, you know, I'm always learning, you know, the student of life type of type of mindset. So I'm constantly kind of getting better and better um, every day. So that was kind of my mindset back in my early twenties. And like I said, I pretty much just like, buried myself in in the research um i got heavy into the academic stuff as i'm sure you know um i was doing a phd at one point and then realized like man that kind of channel of academia is not quite what i was looking for in coaching right especially as you know coaching the best part of this job is it's a people job you're around people all day long and what happened to me in, in that kind of academic life i, I kind of talk about it like it was a past life even though it was a couple of years ago um you know sitting in a biomechanics lab with no windows for 14 plus hours a day for almost three years. It was like, man, I, I cannot do this anymore. Like if I have to walk foot, if I have to step foot in that biomechanics lab one more time, like the cleaner's not going to find something he's going to be happy about. So I was like, all right, I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving this. I decided I basically just sold everything I had um, about four years ago. Actually, it was four years ago to the day on the 13th of March, because the memory came up in my uh, Google photos. I was like, whoa, that's that's wild. So four years ago to the day, I, I sold everything I had and I moved back to California. 
um, just kind of bummed around, just doing different like manual labor jobs, kind of anything I could at the time. And then that's when I got picked up um, by the training lab. So I started working with some big time like pro uh, MMA fighters and stuff like that. That's how we kind of connected. Um, and then since that, I work with a pro rugby team in the MLR. A good friend of mine actually just signed with the LA team. So we're super stoked about that. Um, their, their game is actually this weekend. So pretty, pretty cool. First time there's going to be uh, professional rugby in the uh, LA Coliseum. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and anyways, long story short, um, I ac actually left that job. And then that's how I got here to Hermosa Beach. So just a little bit of a, like I said, a long story short, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like so much to unpack there. And like the amount of different things that you've done in such a short time is like, is very impressive. One no, thing that you. I, one thing that I want to kind of go back to is like that attitude of thinking you're the best without an ego, like to be good at something. I think that, you know, you have to believe anyone has to believe that you're good at what you do. And it's mm -hmm. not about being better than someone else or putting down others. It's just like, you know, I believe in myself and what I right. do and I deliver a good service or product or whatever avenue of life you're in. So when you started coaching, how did that, or how do you think that that helped you? And I think the way that I'm kind of framing it is like, when you first get into something, especially coaching, you're dealing with athletes, you're dealing with college level athletes, you're walking in there and there's strength coaches who have been doing this for five, 10, 30 years. Too long. Too long. <laughs> right, right. Too long. So they're doing stuff old ways and that's a whole other thing, but they're super confident. And here you are, you know, young twenties and you're talking to guys who are the same age or maybe even older than you and they're big and strong. And they're like, well, who the hell is this guy? So how did you sort of use that to to propel your coaching career from the beginning? Yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, So I was very fortunate. My kind of first like eye into professional sports or like high level, you know, NCAA division one kind of college sports and, you know, the, the amount of uh, resources and budgets that some of these programs have are, you know, absolutely astronomical. So I was very fortunate um, to actually, I'm wearing it right now, Stanford University, always repping baby. Um, so Stanford football, I started working with them as an intern back in um, 2011 under uh, the head strength and conditioning coach at the time. His name was Shannon Turley. Um, you've ever just, just punch in his name into Google and you'll see all types of, you know, like New York times articles about him and just his kind of like, just philosophy about training and injury prevention, all that kind of thing is just, you know, second to none. So I was very fortunate to kind of, like I said, that was my very first eye into this kind of world. So I kind of make the joke. It was a blessing and a curse at the same time. It was a blessing because my very first, you know, input into this, the standard was set so, so, so high that like everywhere I've kind of worked since and all these other, you know, pro pro teams and pro athletes have kind of not quite been right there. But um, to answer your question during that internship, I actually, like I, I did very minimal coaching in terms of like, if I knew this drill and I was coaching like this one, you know, say like a glute activation exercise or a movement prep, I would just coach that one thing to all, you know, 110 football players during that day. And that was the only thing I focused on. And what I really did was like, I spent a lot of time talking to like the senior players, um, right. Cause they've been in this program for now, you know, three or four, some of them five years if they're a fifth year senior. So I spoke to a lot of those guys, you know, and kind of guys that were making about to make that jump into the NFL really just kind of see like, what would they do? Right. Like here, yeah, I'm, you know, almost the same age. I'm the coach I'm in the professional setting, but they're the one with the experience in this. And that's one of my favorite quotes of all time is experience doesn't come with time. It comes with experiencing. So, you know, again, it happens a lot in our industry where people are like, oh, you're not going to get hired, you know, to this head coaching job because, you know, you haven't been a head coach for 10 years already. It's like, look, just because I haven't done it doesn't mean I can't do it. Right. Um, so that was one of the biggest things for me. I, I really think I, and, and I'm grateful for myself that I, I had that mindset back then is really just kind of like, listen, ask a lot of questions. Like I said, I'd, I'd spend time with all the, a lot of the senior players that, you know, their their schedule was a lot more lax than some of the freshmen and sophomores. So they would come in and out of the, the weight room, you know, all throughout the day. So there's one particular tight end. Uh, his name is Kobe Fleener. 
he was awesome. He ended up, I think he, he played a couple years in the NFL. Um, and so he would always come in around like midday and just do, you know, like extra like mobility stuff, like core work, you know, a lot of fun, different functional things. He was dealing with a lot of injuries as well. So it was really kind of cool to see him, you know, absolutely dominate at the highest level with all of these injuries. I think he had a, some type of like, uh, like broken back in his lower vertebrae in high school, you know, squatting too heavy and, and stuff like that. So he had to do so much core work. Um, so I, like I said, I just spent a lot of time like watching those guys, seeing what type of habits they had, you know, what types of foods they were eating. A lot of those guys knew a heck of a lot more about nutrition than me at the time because I hadn't studied nutrition at all yet. Right. Again, it was very kind of first introduction into that kind of world. So um, really, I guess to answer your question, I, I spent a lot of time just like listening and observing and absorbing. You know, I always kind of tell people and you know, every time I've ever taught and any you know younger student that I've ever worked with is like literally just be a sponge. You know, absorb absolutely everything you can from from coaches, from players, you know, from all these people, again, that have more experience than you. And that's really essentially what you're there to do. So, you know, I didn't come in it with any type of ego, you know, like, oh, I'm the coach and I'm going to tell you what to do like that. You know, that, that kind of stuff's going to go nowhere, especially in that environment, you know, um, which can happen. Like, you know, we just mentioned a lot of old school strength coaches that I feel like have been doing this for way too long. They need to retire. They need to move on. They need to find another hobby because they're just making the industry just I mean, there's got to be one of the most cannibalistic industries out there. And I mean, there's there's probably been over a dozen times throughout my life now and career that I had was that close to walking away from strength and conditioning coaching. And even now, like I don't call myself a strength and conditioning coach at all. You know, I'm a performance coach. I, you know, this or that. Like I can do strength and conditioning, but that's you know like one piece of a much, much, much larger puzzle. But anyways, I feel like that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But no, I think I think that's a really good that's a really good insight from you. And I think underlying all that is almost one of the first things that you mentioned. I think it was probably in the first lecture of that T Lab course where where we met was um, that when you're a coach, the most important thing is connect first, coach second. And so Absolutely. in that in that um, experience that you were just mentioning, you went to the players, who, the guys who were the fourth, fifth years and said, hey, what do you need from me? I'm not trying to be the guy, tell you what to do, but let me work with you on a human level first. And then we can work on, you know, the athlete, right? Absolutely. And I guess that's the mindset behind it. But like, I didn't say it in that word. Like I'd literally just walk up and be like, hey, bro, what are you doing? And then just watch him. And then he would explain, oh, I'm doing this. I, you know, I got this injury here in my back. So coach gave me these exercises. I find that they really help him. Blah, oh my God. Interesting. Write notes. You know, they leave an hour later. Well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit down and start doing those exercises too, to see if I can like, oh, wow. Yeah, I do feel that. Or this is activating now, or this is happening or, you know, um, so yeah, it was pretty cool. And I, I was just like, it was like, a, I was like a kid in a candy store, man. I was like, I'm just in this big ass weight room. You know, yeah, again, being a, a little kid from Australia, we don't have like literally professional teams that are the biggest teams and franchises in Australia don't have the resources that NCAA division one has. Right. So like the weight room that I'm in, I, you know, every day you're just like looking around you're like, Whoa, like there's so much money and technology just in this room. Like I feel guilty if I come into this room and I don't want to get better today. You know, it's like that kind of mindset, of course, being Stanford, right. These people are so smart. I, I make the joke all the time. I was like, I was getting smarter just by osmosis, right. There's just so many smart brains around me. Their wavelength was just like making mine get better. So I just love that kind of environment, you know, and I've always tried to replicate that anywhere I've been, you know, even like doing an online course, right. Like it's still, a little tiny bit of a culture, right? But it's always just like, hey, we're all here to get better. All boats rise with the tide. If you're getting better, I'm getting better. Let's continue to keep getting better. <laughs> for sure. And I think that's that's probably some of the problem with, with this industry as a whole, whether it's strength and conditioning for athletes and like general population, just regular people, because there's a lot of people making a lot of noise that are not doing the right things and that are there. They have a big name for all the wrong reasons. Yep. And so those of us who are trying to do the right things, trying to learn and grow and be a sponge and get as good as we can at what we do to deliver the best service, 
have to kind of, you know, learn from each other and feed off of one another. Right. Absolutely. And of course, you know, then you bring in the whole world, you know, social media marketing and Instagram and all of that. And it's like, for me personally, the best coaches that I've ever learned for don't even have a social media account. They don't care. They, you know, they didn't get into this to market themselves. Right. And, you know, not to, you know, not to disrespect any type of, you know, personal trainers are out there with their hundreds of thousands of followers. But what those type of people need to realize is like the whole influencing thing. If you've got 300,000 followers, you need to make sure that the content you're putting out there is actually legitimate. You know, you're not telling people like, oh, yeah, eat, you know, chicken and brown rice eight times a day. Who the fuck wants to do that? Sorry yeah. if I swore. <laughs> no, um, but good. you know, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that kind of stuff just drives me crazy. So I think, you know, I was very, very against it um, early on in, in my younger career. Like I didn't care about social media at all. Whereas like now I'm kind of getting to the point where it's like, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. You know, somebody actually just called me an influencer like an hour ago. And I was like, hey, look, if that's what I'm labeled as now, at least I'm influencing people in a direction that's backed by science. It's got the experience behind it and it's not bullshit. You know, because people know me by now, especially, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of, I've got myself in a few situations throughout my career that were probably detrimental because I didn't keep my mouth shut, but that's just not who I am. If I see something and I'm not happy with it, don't believe in it, I'm calling it out. It's just the way it is. So as you can imagine, all of my university students loved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they absolutely loved me. No, I'm kidding. They all hated me. <laughs> One of the things that I think about social media and it, for me, it took me, or this is part of the reason why it took me so long to start posting stuff is because I find that there's kind of two people. There are the, the people who really know what they're doing, the top of our field. And then there are a bunch of people who have gone to the gym for six months and, you know, they got a decent result and they're kind of jacked or look good, whatever. And they have the, the audacity, if you will, mm-hmm. to, to be posting stuff. And then I think about myself and it's like, well, I'm not at the top of the field. There are people that I'm learning from all the time. And so who is, who am I for anybody to listen to me about anything? But then you see, well, there's all these other people who are making all this noise and people listen to them. And it's maybe it's better because it gets people off the couch to a degree, but they're giving incorrect advice. And so then at some point it's like, well, no, I got to do my part and have, you know, like you said, the people with hundreds of thousands, millions of followers, you have a responsibility at that stage to be delivering good messaging, right? Absolutely. And I think it kind of gets lost in translation because people need to forget, especially if you're a coach or a trainer, or you know, literally anything in the healthcare profession, the number one thing is duty of care. So if you're putting out bullshit information that's not good, you know, just because you got, you know, you know, a hot bod and, a, and you look good in a bikini, there's a duty of care to that. And that's why I get really frustrated because, like, I take it really personal, right? Like, you know, I, I, I don't take myself seriously, but I take my career seriously in, in that I know the effect that it can have on a lot of other people. So it's, uh, if I'm not putting in, I'm not putting out, you know, good content or stuff that's actually real and quality. And like I said, you know, I mentioned how many people out there are just telling their clients, so, you know, like, oh, eat this, this and this. You're not going to be healthy anymore. You're going to lose weight. Sure. But like, you know, wh- how are your actual health levels? And I think that's hugely lost in translation, right? Like all these just cookie cutter meal plans where it's, you know, like eat this, this and this. And, you know, these women that I talk to and consult with are, you know, eating six to 800 calories a day. And it's like, look, this is why you're not losing any weight. This is why you've got zero muscle mass. Your metabolism is absolutely shot. Now, you know, if we're talking about females specifically, your hormones are all jacked up. Now they're not getting period. Like, you know, it just creates this massive, massive, like negative feedback loop. And I think that's like absolutely rife in the in the fitness industry, right? So I always try to tell people too, there's a massive difference between like elite professional sports and then fitness. You might not be able to tell the difference on Instagram, but I'm telling you, there's a massive difference as you would know, but a lot of other people, right? They don't really know the difference. Like anytime something's related to like fitness, health, They'll like send it to me like, oh, hey, do you know this person? No, I don't give a, a rat's butt about that person, right? Like, I don't care if they got 800 million followers. They don't have a single qualification or degree or experience that I care about. So I'm sorry, but like, I don't really care, right? I think I told you too one time about um, 
So when I used to teach at the university, it was my favorite. Like every Wednesday morning, I'd wake up and I called it Wacky Wednesday because I would get so many questions from all these young, you know, sport and exercise science students. You know, they were, so I was maybe like mid 20s then. So they're maybe, you know, 18, 19, 20, you know, some of the very younger students. And they'd be like, oh, hey, have you heard of such and such? I might know who is that. You know, like, oh, you know, some Instagrammer, you know, with 800,000 followers, or have you heard of this person or this person? I'm like, no, I don't know who any of these people are. So what I started doing was the first 20 minutes of every lesson, we call it Wacky Wednesday. So I'm like, all right, guys, throw a name at me, throw this at me, send me a video, whatever. And I'd bring it up on the on the board, you know, for the whole class to see. And I'm like, all right, let's watch this video. Let's listen to what they're saying. And let's see if there's any scientific principles behind it whatsoever, right? And of course, you see, you know, chicks doing their... Um, you know, their hip exercise and their back is just going straight into hyperextension or, you know, all of these like incorrect, like biomechanical movements or the science that they're saying. I remember one of them, uh, there was a big bodybuilder dude that was, you know, again, millions of followers. He was doing some type of chest fly and he's like, oh, you want to bend your elbows and arch your back so you get more mobility in your in your chest. And I like looked at everybody. I was like, what does that even mean? Mobility in my chest, like my sternum? What are you talking about, bro? And he wasn't even making sense. He's just literally going into hyperextension of his lower back. So I'm like, look, people, you guys are doing a bachelor's degree. No offense to this guy, but he's got an eight-hour personal training certificate online. He's he's jacked. I'm not going to give him, you know, can't discredit that. He's probably, is, you know, his diet, and he might know a little bit more about nutrition than me at the time because, you know, that's what he's done. I don't look like that. One, I don't care to look like that. But sure, he's doing something right. But the problem is all of that information that we just watched was 100% incorrect. And now you've got, you know, however many 2 million views on this exercise. And so everybody's doing it wrong. So think about how many people out there now are, you know, going to their gold's gym or 24 hour fitness and doing this stupid chest fly thing, thing like, Oh, I'm improving the mobility in my chest. What are, what are we even talking about here? Like, that's my biggest problem with social media is that there's like, there's no checks and balances. It's even now not to get into conspiracy theories, but the fact checkers, well, who's fact checking them, right? Like, who, who are you? I'm the expert in this. Like, I'm the world-leading expert in this particular topic. You cannot fact check me. If you want to fact check me, let's have a debate. Bring your science to the table. I'll bring my science to the table, and let's go at it, right? Because that's how science works. It's a method of investigation. But anyways, that would be another whole topic of conversation. But So that was one of my favorite things. Every Wednesday was Wacky Wednesday. And telling these students, like, you have a job and a, and a, and a responsibility, again, for duty of care. So you can't reference this video or, you know, you need to know the difference because, again, look at what we're up against, right? Two million views because, you know, this guy's, you know, jacked, he's got abs, or, you know, the girl that doing the little booty exercise got a big old butt and she looks great in a bikini. That's awesome. But what are we doing here? Right? Like, yeah. I, I didn't go and study this for nearly 10 years at a university, you know, just to look good in a speedo. You know what I'm saying? Like, I actually did this for impact to, to be able to help people and empower their lives. You know, whether it's an athlete or, you know, just your average, you know, mom or dad trying to lose five pounds to have, you know, a better day with their kid and not be out of energy, right? Like, there's so many different levels to this, but... Anyways, I get off topic real quick. <laughs> no, 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 it's perfect. But I think I think one of the one of the issues with it is like the difference between performance and health that people don't understand. Like an athlete is not necessarily healthy. You look oh, at a absolutely. football player, they might have a great body, an MMA fight or whatever. But like, is what they're doing healthy? Is what they're doing contributing to the longevity of their life? Un- unlikely. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. And the good one, you bring up MMA. I've, I've been around a lot of MMA fighters from literally, you know, guys that have never had a fight to literally, you know, UFC and Bellator world champions. And I'm telling you, MMA is probably one of the 
got to be some of the most unhealthy people I've ever seen in my entire life. And you see, I didn't say unhealthy athletes. I'm talking human first, right? Because again, it's human first and then the athlete second. If you're not a healthy human, you're probably not going to be that good of an athlete. Like, yeah, there's the occasional one that, you know, is the outlier. But for the most part, like your diet's not on point, you know, the basics that we always talk about, right? Like sleep, hydration, recovery, right? If, if you're not healthy, you're probably not going to be that good of an athlete, you know? Um, and MMA is massive, right? Because also think of the nature of the sport. They're just constantly in a state of stress and fight or flight, like literally for hours in a day, every single day. So it's like, if they're not really taking their recovery seriously, they're probably not going to go very far in the sport or they'll burn out very quickly, which, you know, again, we see by the time these guys are like 30 years old, they already look like they're 45 years year old men, you know, they're losing their hair, their, you know, beards, you know, patchy and like their hormones are all jacked up too, you know, especially then you start looking at how these guys cut weight. I mean, that's, we could probably do a four hour podcast just on weight cutting, right? Like it's yeah. just, it's just absurd what some of these guys do, you know, it's, it's crazy. The biggest thing I think for, and I've been on podcasts multiple times over since probably like 2015, I think kind of one of the first one was a fight camp conditioning that kind of got my name out there. And I just started bashing all these MMA fighters that are doing long distance running. It's like, for what? Like even boxers doing it. Why your fights nine minutes long. What are you doing an hour and 15 minute run for? What, like, what are we doing? You know, again, let's apply some science to this. And so I started really changing them and giving them an anaerobic motor and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, you know, now they're healthier because, you know, they're eating right and they've got protein in or, you know, they're eating more calories during a weight cut and still losing weight. Like it's not that complicated. People just, I don't know. I don't know what happens is something just gets lost in translation. And over the last few decades, like you want to lose weight, eat nothing. No, it's the absolute worst thing you're going to, you could do. You're going to turn your body into a sponge and it's going to absorb everything. <laughs> right. do, do you think that, um, the, that athletes are, in some ways more susceptible to some of the nonsense online because uh, an MMA fighter who's m maybe doesn't have a job, they're making, you know, 5k a fight or something like that. If, you know, if, if that, if that, right. So <laughs> maybe a but, couple hundred bucks. <laughs> exactly. So, so a guy who's looking at that as, as his career, he said, Oh, so-and-so on like GSP did this exercise online, uh, you know, not talking about his entire training program. And so I'm just going to do that. Whereas a regular, and they're more willing to do whatever it takes to make it to the next level. Whereas, you know, a regular person might see so-and-so influencer do something online and they're not really willing to do whatever it takes to get to the next level, whatever that means for them. They might be willing to cut back on calories, you know, drink some apple cider vinegar or whatever stuff they're going to do. But do you think that athletes are almost more susceptible to some of the nonsense online? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think so. And of course, you know, you got to look at too, is what I try to tell people and warn people about all the time is like, say, I don't know, let's like LeBron James, not to pick on him, but like LeBron James, all of a sudden, you know, he's going to wear this little band around his wrist and he's saying like, oh, it improved my mobility. Cool. They're going to make a shitload of sales just because of that. Does it mean it's even real or, or factual or anything? Like, no, it's like a lot of these pros and a lot of these guys that are at that level, they will tell you whatever you want to hear or no, sorry. They will tell you whatever the company is paying them to say, right? Like, oh yeah, I drink it once energy drinks. Trust me, I'm telling you, there's going to be more pro MMA fighters not drinking energy drinks, even though that they're sponsored by them. You see all the time in the UFC, right? Monster cans flying around everywhere. Watch yeah. and really pay attention to the athlete. It's a bottle with fucking water in it, but it's got a monster logo on it. It's like, come on, man. How dumb do you think we are? Unfortunately, I guess people are pretty dumb because they keep drinking it and keep buying it and keep paying for it. But yeah, so I think especially that kind of like amateur um, MMA, I mean, MMA is such a wild west, right? Like, one, it's a very young sport. Two, it's very ego driven. Three, it's very old school, right? So a lot of what these guys are doing is, you know, because their coach is yelling at him, he's like, oh, 
back of mind, hey, this is what we did. Well, cool. That was 30 years ago with zero science. Like, like I, I just don't really get that argument, you know, and I get frustrated with all the time. It's like, that's not anything, right? Like tradition is the enemy of progress. At one point in time, humanity thought the earth, the, the world, uh, sorry, the earth was flat, right? Like, come on, man, just because just it's what everybody's doing and thinking doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I definitely think, especially that kind of like amateur MMA fighter, all they can really do is look up to be like, all right, well, I want to be like that fighter. So I'm just going to do everything that he does. You know, and then the only thing that they can do is like, you know, watch like a UFC embedded or, or watch a podcast or this or that. And I'm um, actually one of our big name fighters when I was at the T-Lab was on the Joe Rogan podcast, just talking about like what he does is what he does for his weight cut, blah, 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 blah. And then later we started, you know, selling and doing all these consultations that I'm like talking to these people all around the world. And they're like, oh, so-and-so said on the podcast that he's keto. So I'm keto too. And I've been keto for five years. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Nobody recommended that. Nobody recommended it for this fighter to be keto for five years. He was maybe keto for five days during his weight cut to, you know, drop some pounds. But like people just kind of take little bits of information and then just like, oh, that's gospel. And that's all I'm going to do. It's like, wait, hang on a minute. We're we're starting to take things way out of context. Like just because that fighter did it for that period of time does not mean everybody should be doing it. You know, this is not cookie cutter. Like literally every single person is different. And when you start talking to, you know, a coach that actually knows what they're doing, they're going to, they're going to tell you that they're not going to tell you, oh, do this and this because it worked for that person. I'm going to try this with you. We're going to see how it works over the next 10 to 14 days. If we're not getting the changes that we want, then we need to do something else, right? Because everybody's different. Everybody's metabolism is different. Their, you know, lifestyle is different. What their diet is different, you know, genetics, whatever, all of these different things. There's so many different variables. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the younger, younger fighters and those kind of amateur guys, they're very susceptible to just being like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so over there, he does that. So I'm going to start doing that now too. Like, uh, I don't know maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> right. Right. For sure. And I mean, that's where so much of the, so much is lost, I think in social media too, again, for athletes and for regular people, because you get these little bites, like maybe that, you know, go back to that bodybuilder chest fly thing. Maybe that does help him in some way that is specific to his body and his training. And like with all of the things that he is doing, but in an Instagram post, you can't capture, you know, someone's entire lifestyle. And exactly. if your lifestyle and your goals are not exactly that person's, then that little thing is not going to work for you. Mm. And then I think the danger is, is more when regular people are trying to copy athletes. If you try and do LeBron James's workout, like, are you trying to be LeBron James? No. So why would that, why would that help you? Right? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I, th- I think that happens a lot too. Is people just see it on you know, Instagram and then like go and try to like copy or imitate. And actually I was having this conversation yesterday. That was actually one of the biggest problems with CrossFit, right? Right. When it first kind of started back, I don't know, eight, nine years ago and started getting big. What people didn't realize is that the people that were doing really, really successfully in CrossFit all came from some other professional sport. They were ex-Olympic weightlifters. They were ex-college you know, gymnasts. They were ex-football players or ex-military or ex this. So they've already got, you know, you know, decades of their life that have been dedicated to training so that their body can literally withstand some of the madness that CrossFit is doing. Again, I'm not shitting on CrossFit, but that was one of the biggest problems that, you know, I mean, look at the cases of rhabdomyolysis. All of a sudden, like people didn't even know what rhabdo was until CrossFit. CrossFit like brought rhabdomyolysis like out of the shadows and was like, hey, everybody, if you're not recovering right, you're going to fuck yourself up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's just so many people going down that route where it's like you got to realize like some of the stuff that these pros are doing, it's because they've been doing it for a long time. Like if you haven't been doing strength training for 10 years, then, you know, you're not going to walk into a gym and all of a sudden press 225 plate or sorry, 225 pounds, right? Like you got to work yourself up to that. Like we know that as coaches, but a lot of other people don't. And the whole thing with like motivation, right? Like, oh, I'm super motivated. I've done zero activity over the last month. 
but next week uh, or you know, next month, I'm going to run hundred miles. Why? You're going from zero to hundred, maybe run 10 miles over a period of two weeks, see how your body feels, make sure you're getting recovery and your joints aren't falling apart and then incrementally make them bigger. But a lot of people don't do that, right? They get super motivated. They kill it for like two weeks and all of a sudden like, oh my God, I'm so sore. My body hurts. And maybe they get an actual injury and then they just cut and stop, you know, and then you just go back into that loop again. So I'm always telling people like, whatever your goal is, double the amount of time that you want to do it, right? I get people all the time to come into a studio like, oh, I want to lose 20 pounds in, in a month. All right, let's maybe lose 20 pounds in three months. Like, let's yeah. lose two pounds next week and then see how you go, right? Like, if you can't do that, don't even talk to me about losing 20 pounds in a month, right? Like, right. So I think, you know, there, there's stepping stones to this stuff that a lot of people miss because of social media. It's just like, oh, I want to look like that. So I'm going to start doing that tomorrow. And it doesn't right. work that way. <laughs> I think a lot of that that expectation is just lost as well because of things again that you see online, and it's not anybody's fault. Like, how would a regular person not educated in this stuff? How would you know that? How would you be able to discern what's right and what's wrong? I I remember I had this one client who was getting ready for a job interview at some airline, and it was in Korea or something, and so they test like body fat percentage or something for the <laughs> for the um, the flight attendants, which is a whole different strange thing. But anyway, she said I need to lose. And she was very, very slim already. And she said, I need to lose 20 pounds in the next three weeks. Whoa. And I said, no. <laughs> and I said, okay, I, I don't think that would be healthy, but explain to me why. And so she explained this job, blah, blah. And then I said, okay, I would suggest you don't do this. Here's how it could be possible. You have to exercise like hours a day and basically not eat. And you will be extremely unhealthy and not good. Are you willing to do that? Does that sound like something that you want to do? No, good. Thank you for saying right. no. And then let's do something healthy. <laughs> because right. I think I think that not that it's her fault, but she didn't understand that that was impossible or what it would even take to get there. And so people see guys benching 225, squatting 405 and all this stuff. And, oh, I want to do that. Well, okay, but that guy's been lifting for 10 years. Right. Right. I think yeah. there was um, Charles Poliquin said, someone asked him, what's the secret to getting a big squat? And he said, oh, no problem. That's easy squat heavy once a week for 10 years and you'll have a big squat. <laughs> and you know, he's being a little bit of a smart ass, but I mean, he's not, he's not wrong, right? Do the thing mm -hmm. over and over and over again for a long period of time and you'll get there. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. I think you bring up too, is that like that client came to you saying this again, I take it really personally. There's too many coaches out there. And again, in the world of like Instagram, where these coaches are letting the client tell them what they want. I'm the expert, not you. So yeah. if you're telling me that you want to do that, that's absolutely absurd. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to deal with you. So if you want that, I don't know, go find a, you know, a, a trainer that's not educated and is going to help you do that. Right. Cause it's like one, what, what person that's got any type of degree or qualification or experience in this industry is going to tell you like, yeah, we can lose 20 pounds in three weeks. That's great. Let's do it. What the fuck's wrong with you? No, yeah. that's not okay. So I'm always trying to constantly educate my clients to be like, all right, let's make more reasonable goals, right? Again, like I mentioned, like let's lose two pounds next week. Let's do that for a month. Let's lose eight pounds in a month. You know, whatever it might be. Like show me that you can do that first before trying to do that. But there's so many other, you know, trainers out there where it's like, oh yeah, I can do that. Or, you know, clients come to me, tell me what you want. Cool, yeah, I'll give that to you. No, it's not how it works, you know? You don't go to a restaurant and tell the chef what you want to eat. You have a menu and you can choose off of that menu because that's what the chef is going to make, right? It's like coming to you as a coach. Here are my expertise. You know, I can do this, this, and this. 
I can help out with this, this, and this. Okay. If you really want that, maybe I even recommend you to go, you know, go see this other coach or, you know, I'm not a physical therapist. So maybe you need to see somebody like that. I'm not a you know registered diet, uh, nutrition or dietitian, right? So if you've got like some really messed up kind of like metabolism issues that are borderline like health issues, there's not a whole lot I can do about that. So I'm going to refer you off to somebody else. But I think there's too many, again, personal trainers, just, you know, with that eight hour online certificate, almost like you, know, you said audacity, right? It's, it's almost like, I feel like a lot of them, it's of course not malicious. A lot of people are personal trainers because they really want to help people. They want to do the right thing, but it's just what they're taught and what they're educated in is that's the issue. And again, that's kind of what I've done a lot throughout my career is a lot of the teaching aspect of it too, right? And like trying to update a lot of the information that's out there. And I pretty much like rewrote two year, two year worth of curriculum at my university. Cause it's like, Hey, I just came through this degree and it's shit. And they're like, what, what, what do you mean? I'm like, because I just went and worked in the real world for two years. I couldn't apply anything that you taught me. Like, Nobody, I didn't even talk about VO2 max on a treadmill or this or that in two years. So I don't need to know it. Here's what I do need to know. I need to know communication skills. I need to know personal skills. You know, there's all of this whole other kettle of fish. Are like, we didn't even talk about in a four-year degree. It's like, this is a problem. Yeah. You're graduating all these students after four years and they can't do anything. Now they can't even get any jobs. And now, you know, I don't know. Now they're just working at the pub down the road. Like, so what are we doing? They got a degree. Sure. You know, they got to pay their student loans back. Sure. And, you know, but they're not actually doing what this degree is supposed to do. So I had a huge problem with that. Um, and I remember back when I took the degrees, like I had five different physiology courses. I remember one of them was like bioscience. And we had to learn like about the cells and plants. I remember sitting there and I said to the teacher, I'm like, this is bullshit. This is a complete waste of my time. Like I want to learn human cells and about human mitochondria. I don't give a shit about plant, how plants photosynthesize, right? Why is this in a human science degree? Maybe if I was doing, you know, like a generic, like earth sciences degree or something, sure. But like just stuff like that. So it's like, tell them like we need programming and periodization and progressive overload, right? Like we need to teach people this stuff. We need to teach people about nutrition, not about plant cells and photosynthesis. It's a human science degree. What are we doing? So yeah. I think it's been a huge problem with, with the way that it's being taught, um, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of that is, is just, it's almost, it's almost ignorance. A lot of people in academic or academia, and you would know this better than I do for sure. They've only ever been in academia. They got their bachelor's, did their master's, did their PhD, and they've just only lived in a research lab, never got out on the field or in a gym coaching athletes, regular people. And so people are not science experiments, right? Like you, you talk to someone and especially, and I guess you would know this a little bit more now switching more into like gen pop clients where like they're humans first, like these, this woman that you're training, she doesn't care if her squat goes one pound heavier like that. You're not trying to increase her, her 40 time by 0.2 seconds. Like <laughs> right. She just wants to be healthy and to, you know, play with her kids and do life things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so people are not science experiments. You need to coach them as a human first. And that's just all oftentimes lost in, in academics. That's it. Oh, I mean, I, I, academia is, I mean, I don't, it's really hard to explain and it's hard to explain to people that don't know or even really understand what academia is and like the way that research is conducted. Like, I mean, I'm, especially in today's day and age, right? I'm, like, I'm constantly telling people like, you have no idea where the research comes from. And of course, people are like, oh, science says this. I got called a science denier the other day. I'm like, do you know who the fuck I am? Like, I have my name on published peer reviewed journal articles. I'm a scientist. You're not like you're reading and watching a headline on this colorful box on the, on the wall. Like, what are you even talking about? Like, don't come to me with that. Like I'm a Titan in this world. Like you're not right. Academia is a whole other ball game. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely correct. And that was one of the biggest problems that I had at my university is like, I'm getting my like studies and my, my PhD confirmation, you know, peer reviewed 
by somebody that's literally never left the classroom and only taught biomechanical theories their entire life. So I'm sitting there like, oh, this doesn't make sense. This does not make sense. You're telling me that a deadlift is bad for you and you've never done a deadlift. You've never coached a deadlift. You've never been around deadlifting. What are we talking about? Like, sorry, but you're not the world leading expert on this. You might be a world leading expert on biomechanical, you know, math. There's a lot of physics behind it, but here's how that actually works in application in real life, right? Like, and, and I remember I had um, one of my first interns from my university, one of the smartest dudes I've ever met. And he was talking to one of our MMA fighters at the time and like, oh, you know, your deadlift is wrong. You, you, he's basically way over coaching, right? Which we see a lot in coaching, like um, paralysis by analysis. Like your hips are too high. And he, I even think he said something about like the vector force angle. And I'm like, bro, I pulled him aside. I'm like, the guy that you're talking to didn't graduate high school. Just watch this. So I walked back over to him. I'm like, hey, bro, put your butt down lower and keep your eyes up when you deadlift. Keep your core tight and pick up the bar. And he did it perfectly. And I looked at the kid and he was like, like almost like amazed. I'm like, see, it, you got to coach the human first, then the athlete, right? I was like, you're, you're using terms and, and scientific terminology that's come from academia that, yes, is 100% correct. And what you were saying is right. But a person you're talking to literally cannot read or write above a third grade level. Like, and I love the guy. He was one of the best. Um, actually, sorry, he wasn't an MMA fighter. He was a Muay Thai fighter. Like, ex 12 time world champ kickboxer literally just you know fly to russia kick some dude's head off and came back and was training with us the next day like bro you just got to talk to him like a person tell him to put his butt down his eyes up and he'll, everything else will fix itself and he's like oh i never thought of that yeah i know you didn't because the university didn't tell you that <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure and that's the things that you only get from coaching people in person and it's mm -hmm. different from person to person. Maybe that, Absolutely. maybe that fighter would have responded to all the scientific language, likely not, but maybe he would. And so the guy, you know, lifting in the rack beside him needs different cueing. You don't need to tell him to put his butt down. You need to tell him to push his hips back, which is asking for the same thing, but mm -hmm. just using different words. Right. So yeah, what do you yeah, think is course. the, are the biggest differences in terms of like coaching between athletes and gen pop? And I think where I kind of want you to take this is like, with an athlete, you can be a little bit harder on them because it's their job. This guy is here or this girl is here to work and get better at being an athlete. So you got to push them and kind of be a hard ass from time to time, again, depending on the motivation of the individual. But how does that differ between athletes and non-athletes? Great question. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing right there is that athletes are trying to get better. So if they're coming to me as I'm like, I'm the leading expert in this thing, they know that in that thing, I can make them better. Gen pop, and unfortunately, because of social media and everything else, it's all about like, mm, is that actually going to work? Yeah, it is. If you listen to me, right? Like I tell Jen Pop all the time, like I can guarantee you any result that you're looking for, but you got to do it, right? <laughs> like if you're not doing it, well, it's not going to work, you know? And, and and again, with athletes, you can't be harder on them and tougher on them. Not that I'm, I'm a hard ass and I love having fun, but I'm, you know, when I'm working, it's down to business. Whereas Jen Pop, it's all about entertainment. They don't care two shits about what you're saying, what their exercise, they just want to sweat. They want to feel like they worked out. They want to have fun. They want to laugh and then they want to go home. So I'm definitely not going to be in gen pop for very long. <laughs> I've tried to avoid it most of my career for that exact reason. You know, again, I want to be around people that want to be the best in the world. And that's, that's as simple as that, where it's like, you know, you're coming in, you're working Monday through Friday, you're, you're coming in for these workouts and you know, you've been doing it for nine months and you haven't lost a pound. You haven't gained it, you know, uh, an ounce of muscle. It's like, 
I like no offense to those people. I just don't have time for them. It's not for me. You know, again, I want to be with the people that are trying to get better day in day out where you can actually see the progression. So I think for me, that's part of the reward, right? Like you come in, you make that athlete bigger, stronger, faster, you know, from college to pro pro to pro bowl. I mean, you know, whatever it is, there's levels of progression where a lot of the gen pop is just run of the mill. Like just feels like a rat race. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference. You know, it's, it's not a good or a bad thing, right? It just depends on like who you are and what your personality is and what type of coach that you want to be. And again, I knew very early on that like, I'm not real. I like, I'm a terrible personal trainer. I straight up tell personal trainers all the time. I used to teach personal trainers. Like I guarantee you I'm the worst personal trainer in this room, but I can make you a better personal trainer because uh, here, here's how, right? So it's like, if I'm coaching, if I'm coaching athletes, that's what I'm good at, right? That's, that's the type of people that I can work with. And again, coming from Stanford, like the smarter the athlete is, Sweet. That'll get me even more juiced up, right? Because I can make it, you know, more complicated, more difficult, give them a lot more explanations, which they get more explanations. They get more buy-in. They understand the why. Once they understand the why, cool, I got them hook, line, or sinker. But again, a lot of that gets lost with Gen Pop. They just don't really care. And that's fine. They don't have to care, but it can become very, very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I totally, I work with, you know, 99% Gen Pop and it's, it's for sure that. And it, I think this goes back to like the art side of coaching. Right. I use, you know, mm-hmm. one tenth of the knowledge of physiology and exercise science that I have with general population. Doesn't mean that I don't mm-hmm. need to need to know those other things. It's still they're still important. But when someone's in front of me, I don't need to over cue them on the angle of their hips during a squat. It's just not that important. Are they doing it? Does it hurt? No. Right. Are they having fun? Are they getting healthier and actually moving their body, getting their butt out of the seat or their office chair? Then great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. yeah. So it's not, it's obviously not for, for everyone. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with either way, right? There's nothing wrong with no, not yeah. wanting to be the best, not wanting to, you know, crush your, your PRs and all this stuff to each their own. But I think we can all agree. And everyone listening would also agree. Like movement is important. You need to, you need to move and exercise. It has to be a part of your life, but the, Absolutely. the aspect from the coach's side of getting someone to to do the things that you know that are going to help them and they just refuse to do them for whatever reason can be can be extremely frustrating. And I think the biggest side of that is is the nutrition side. And personally I oh, sometimes yeah. I get so I get very discouraged by it because it's like, well, this person is putting in so much work in the gym. They're really working hard. We're making great progress, but they for whatever reason and maybe it's me that I can't get through to them, but they just can't get their diet together. And it's not so complicated, mm. right? We don't, there's a lot of stuff on social media that's overcomplicating stuff. And you and I have spoken about this before, but literally stop eating junk. Just stop doing yeah. the dumb <laughs> stuff. Like, you know, the stuff your grandmother told you, just do that, start there. And that will make a drastic difference in most people's lives, right? But then, yeah. you know, how many times are you going to say it before you just say, okay, you know what? You, you do whatever you want because yeah. you're still yeah. coming to train, you do whatever you want. Pretty much. Actually, I read a good meme the other day, which I loved. It was like nutritional nutrition science is complicated. Eating food is not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and it was like I read it. And I'm like, fuck, that's really profound in just like a couple words, right? It's like you think about it. Yeah, nutrition science is complicated as shit. But when it comes down to actually eating a plate of food, I guarantee you, if you put two plates of food, one just full of junk food, one full of like fruit and veg, and you said to that person, which one's healthier? Fuck, everybody on the face <laughs> of the planet is going to know which one is healthier. But then are they going to make the choice to eat that? Or are they going to eat, you know, the hamburger and fries? Well, that's the kicker, right? And that's, you know, the psychology part of things too, where, you know, that's another whole ball game, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's, I think, part of the biggest challenge of gen population clients. And it's because 
most people are looking for fat loss and most of the fat loss is going to come through their diet. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I can help you get stronger. I can help you move better, all that stuff, but I can't sit there with you three, four times a day and, you know, make you eat healthy food. Like you need to do that on your own. Mm -hmm. And so, and then that's where the challenge comes. It's like, yeah, they're, they're making a lot of, again, making a lot of progress in the gym, but they're just not getting that fat loss result that they're, that they're after. And so something that I've sort of shifted my mindset to is instead of drilling into people's heads that, oh, we're doing this workout for fat loss. It's like, no, no, the fat loss may or may not come. We'll, we'll see about that, but let's just focus on getting stronger in the gym. You do Mm -hmm. that. Chances are you'll probably be a little bit more active. You'll move better. At least you'll feel better. And whether the fat loss comes after we'll see about it, but it's not going to come either way. So at least let's pick a goal where we can actually progress at and then Mm -hmm. attack that. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I think with the whole like weight loss thing, people think like just their, their, their understanding of like food or food behavior, I guess. Right. It's like people with this whole, like, Oh, I went for a run and that burned 400 calories. Like I can eat this. It's not how it works. It doesn't like, we're not like, we're not actual cars where like you need to put fuel in to get fuel out. Right. Like whatever you're eating, your body's going to come up with the energy period. Like if you're eating nothing, it will break down your muscle to get, to get the energy. It's like a lot of these people, even though you want to lose weight, you need to eat more because you're not even eating to your basal metabolic rate. And if you're not doing that, then you're turning your body into a sponge. So it's like, okay, here's your basal metabolic rate. Plus you're burning about 500 calories. We're actually going to add that. We're not subtracting it. So you need to eat more food. And that's most of the clients that I got here in the studio trying to convince them to eat more food. And then finally now, you know, after eight, nine, 10 months of me being there, it's slowly starting to get through a few of their heads where they're like, man, like I ate so much over the last like, you know, month, but look, I'm down five pounds of, of, of body fat. Yeah. Cause you increase your muscle mass, you increase your basal metabolic rate. Things are working better. You're drinking, you know, a whole bunch of water. You're healthy. You're like, yes, let's go. Like, this is what we're talking about. Like there's so many people out there. They're like, ah, weight loss. I'm going to stop eating food. Well, you're, you're going to be unhealthy. You're not going to get the weight loss results you're looking for. And you're just going to make everything worse. And who doesn't want to eat food, right? Like we all want to eat food. Just be smarter about what you're eating. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's where, that's where the magic comes is like after so many months or so many weeks of drilling in the same things, because it's like, there's not that many things to say, right? You're just saying that you're repeating the same things in different ways. I'll tell them, I'll tell them, I'll be like, look, you know, you've done your way now for like three to four months and you haven't lost a fucking pound. So maybe try my way for 14 days. That's all I want out of you. 14 days, two weeks. If you're going to do this for two weeks, then we got some other issues going on. And then sure enough, what happens? After two weeks, if they actually do it, they come back to you and they're like, oh my God, you're you're a magician. This is magic. No, it's just science. It's what we've been trying to tell you. <laughs> exactly. The, the One of my favorite comments is always like, oh, like what you said worked. It's like, yeah, I I, I, actually, I, I actually, <laughs> I actually know what I'm doing. Like, and this might yeah. be a surprise to you, but I don't just show up here and talk shit. I actually I know what I'm actually know what I'm doing. I'm like, man, it's almost like I know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> oh, or you know, especially like in some of the group fitness kind of classes I'm doing right now. If any of the listeners know what uh, F45 is, functional training. Yeah, we, minutes. We, we got them up in Toronto too. Yeah, they're all over the world now. Started in Australia, now they're absolutely all over the place. It's like, I'll be like, hey, move your toes like this or press through your heels. Like, watch, you're going to feel that more in your glute. And they're like, whoa, how did you know that? I'm like, yeah, it's almost like I know what I'm doing. And <laughs> John, so I've done that enough. And, you know, I've been here now for a while. So the members are starting to finally figure out, like, okay, this dude does know what he's talking about, you know? And I guess maybe that's because, you know, they've had so many, you know, terrible coaches before me or coaches telling them the wrong thing or, you know, whatever. And again, that comes back to the, to the education or lack thereof with a lot of these trainers and certifications out there. But, I, I find myself saying that all the time. Like, yeah, it's almost like I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah, 
actually, you know, learned something in the 10 year education that I had, you know, do you think that that's a little bit more of a problem in those group class settings, just because it's harder to like, how many people are in a class for you? Uh, legally three <laughs> well, right now, 27 okay. <laughs> COVID, right? Yeah. Well, at least you can have that where it's 10% Toronto. capacity. Can you yeah. tell me how you can run a business on 10% capacity? Yeah. I, hey, we, we got 0% <laughs> capacity right now in Toronto, but uh totally different topic. But anyways, so in that, like, and now you come from a background of football, so you're used to coaching or, or just athletics in general, where there's a room full of guys or girls mm-hmm maybe 50 to hundred athletes on the field that there's one coach and yeah, there's assistants and walking around and floating around. But so for someone who isn't from that more high level background, you're trying to coach a room of 30 people who don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then no, that, that for sure can be a challenge. And it's probably, mm-hmm. it's most of the case, I would imagine not a coach who is very experienced or super knowledgeable. And so the coach is also just, yeah, just run through the motions, do your squats, do your whatever you're doing. And there's not that instruction. So someone like you coming in and saying, Hey, put your weight back, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And oh yeah, it actually works. No one ever told me that before. And then you're probably sitting there like, the fuck do you mean? No one ever told you this before. This is like day one stuff, but yeah, no one yeah, took the yeah. time to do it. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. And I think again, that happened in gen pop. I mean, they're great business models, you know, get in as many people as quick and, you know, quick in and as quick out as possible. But you know, if you're only paying a coach 20 bucks an hour, you know, what kind of quality coach is that? You know, like, I mean, I wouldn't even get out of bed for 20 bucks an hour now. And I don't say that disrespectfully, but like I've put in my dues over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years where I don't, I don't have to only, you know, charge 20 bucks an hour, like personal training session, 120 minimum, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, you know, that's a, that's a different ball game, but it, it can be quite difficult in these group class settings, especially with gem pop, because that's what they all love and they enjoy it. And, you know, it can be great, but it's, it's quite difficult, especially in our setting because it's all high intensity interval training. It's like if a coach isn't on point, you got a room, you know, full of 20, 20 people. And again, the whole like do no harm thing, people can get really hurt and yeah. get really injured. You know, thankfully, knock on wood, we've never had anything major here at the studio since I've been here. We did have one uh, situation where a girl went to just do something like we're real light dumbbells and her whole entire shoulder popped out. It was actually one of the worst shoulder dislocations I've seen. It literally was just like hanging. You can see the skin and the bone. I was like, wow. You know, and then come to find out, she's like, oh, you know, it's an injury. Like, I didn't tell you guys. It's like, okay, well, fuck, you didn't tell us. How can we help you? <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, things don't happen by you, accident. If I knew you had a shoulder injury, the first thing I'm telling you to do is to never put a weight overhead, <laughs> right? Like, you're not doing any overhead pressing until we sort out that scapula. <laughs> like, yeah. Again, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, a lot of other people, yeah, it's just, you know, trying to push people and have them make them have a good workout and pushing them to make things harder just for the sake of making it harder. You're probably going to create, you know, quite a lot of issues. So since I've been here, I spent a lot of time without coaches. We have a meeting once a week where it's just a coach's meeting. And all we do is go over, you know, exercise technique, you know, um, cor- corrects us, fixes, regressions, progressions, red flags. Like it's all we do. You know I me, mean? I'm a, I'm a stickler for that stuff. So again, knock on wood, we haven't had any major like issues or injuries, but it does happen quite a bit. And again, you know, you, uh, CrossFit, you know, I remember when CrossFit first started, people just getting hurt left, right and center. It's like, well, yeah, you're doing really, really hard and high intensity work. that's super stressful. And you're going to tell me I need to do it a hundred times in the next five minutes. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think that's, and I think that's such a credit to you that you're taking the time to do that because I know firsthand as well from, from some of my clients who are part of group classes of various different companies and whatever. And, you know, they, they go in there and they know that when they do something with me or at the gym that we're doing it properly. And then they go into the group class setting and they're get to the point where they're looking around and like, 
everyone else is doing this wrong. Yeah. And I'm the only <laughs> one doing it right because I've been told, but then they also don't know, like they wouldn't have known how to do it right had they not come in. And so I kind of think about the group classes. I think most of them don't have someone like you running the show. And so it's almost like, yeah, you need, you need some more intensive instruction. And the same Absolutely. thing would be with, for CrossFit. I've never been to a CrossFit gym, but I would have to imagine that a good CrossFit type gym, you would have some one-on-one or like very small yeah. group settings to like, okay, let's learn how to snatch. Let's learn how to do all these things away from the group. And then once you get up to a, a level as deemed by the coach that mm. where you're competent in these movements, then you can go on and do it on your own. Yeah. And then from there, the group setting, the community setting, the entertainment, the fun of it, it's, it's amazing. It's all Absolutely. fine and good, but not at the expense of hurting people. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like I'm ever trying to not have that like fun, enjoyable environment. I want that. But at the same time, like, you know, we've got a job to do and people can get really, really hurt if we're not doing that job. Yeah. Yeah. And it is something that I think just needs to, needs to come more. And as things uh, sort of progress th- through COVID, I think that the group classes will come back in a big way. Definitely. The, just because people are missing that community so yeah, much. It's, and the I know only that- social, it's the only social interaction some of these people have had in literally a year. Yeah. And you guys are doing classes outside now, right? Uh, yeah. So we've just moved back indoors because we can be at, at 10% capacity. Right, right. And you have, yeah. And you have the, well, you also have the weather to do that. Like here in Toronto, we, we, yeah. we haven't been able to, well, not even allowed, but you can't be doing stuff outside in the middle of February. Yeah. Very, now. very fortunate. But I mean, I guess that's also like, I, I deliberately live in these kind of climate places. <laughs> no offense to you yeah. living in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> if I could live there, I'll come visit. I love the snow, but I'm not living in it. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's for sure. And something that I definitely think about from time to time as well. Yeah, um, I need to. St- I need to be by the beach, man. If I'm if I'm even like forty minutes inland, my anxiety levels are just always high. Where it's like, okay, I need the ocean right there. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just a sea soul. I came from the ocean or something. <laughs> no, for sure it's good. Like even those like all those sunset pics you post of like at the beach and stuff, like on your bike on that little rock where you always yeah, get to. Yeah, like those yeah. are amazing. And just having that there to just go out and just be just be there is uh it's for sure i I love i love people and you know this is a big coaching job but at the same time i got to get my brain away from humans sometimes man yeah yeah (laughs) especially in this job you know before you know five o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock in the morning i've already spoken to 120 people it's it's madness yeah and you're giving (laughs) 100 energy yeah exactly and i mean yeah my my whoop proves that i'm constantly posting up on my story too like yesterday i coached i think two classes and i burned 1600 calories because like i'm running around like a madman yeah. You know, I'm coaching, you know, 50 people in that period of, you know, an hour and, and, and 30 minutes. So it's, it's pretty high intense. So yeah, every once in a while I'm just like, all right, I'm done with humans. I'm leaving. And I'm, I'm pretty introverted too. A lot of people always think like, oh, you're just that crazy loud extroverted guy. I'm like, ah, there's a balance to that. Cause it's also like, there could be a period of, you know, like three days, like this weekend I, I got done working on Friday. I literally did not speak out loud to another human being until Monday morning. Like, yeah. just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to sit in my cave. I'm going to read some signs. I'm going to geek out on some shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can be, you can be an introvert and then you got to, and then you, you're able to pull it out when you need to. You got to right? turn it on for yeah, work. Turn yeah. on the energy. Exactly. <laughs> so then one thing that I, I wanted to ask you about, and we'll sort of wrap this up here um, with that, with the time and like the amount of energy that you expend coaching people. So yeah, we're up early. You're you're busting your ass at, like at work physically, moving around, giving all your energy, and now you're transitioning to become an endurance athlete. So you <laughs> yeah. have all these, so you have all these goals. So how do you actually? Because it's one thing to exercise and just be like a normal, healthy person, but you're trying to push the boundaries now. So how do you actually structure your your life, I guess, so that you are on top of your 
recovery and your own training as well as just being generally active in a job? Yeah, great question. I think actually one of the members showed it to me the other day, and it's always one of my biggest pet peeves. They're like, oh, like um, being healthy is your career. Yo, what? I still got to do it. Like just because I'm coaching you all day long does not mean I'm healthy if I'm not doing stuff to keep myself healthy, right? And and like you mentioned, the, the nature of the job right now for me coaching-wise is is astronomical. Like I've, I've been more – more, I've been more calories coaching these sessions, you know, than I did, you know, coaching football players for four hours. Cause most of the time you're standing there barking orders here, you're, you're jumping up and down, you know, that whole like entertainment factor. If anybody hasn't been to F45 class, go check one out. Cause they can be a lot of fun. I've kind of like molded myself more, you know, obviously like I'm not doing the programming. They just got the TVs up on the screen, but it allowed me to get a lot more personable with these people. Right. Because I don't need to worry about the work. I can just look at the exercise and then, you know, on the TV and start coaching it. Cause I have a library already in my head. Right. So I've been able to spend a lot more time like with the people, but um, yeah, to, an to answer your question, that's a massive thing. And I think a lot of like, back when I was doing my PhD and in my, in academia, I mean, I got photos. Like I look like a 45 year old fat dad at 27 years old, like it was bad and I was not healthy at all. So I guess that's why that kind of comment triggered me like, oh, you're healthy. It's part of your job. I'm like, no, it's not. Keeping you healthy is part of my job. You know, I still have to look out for me. So for, for right now, to answer your question, um, depending on what day or sorry, what like what classes I'm coaching. Right. So if I know that it's like a cardio day and I'm, my heart rate is going to be super jack like theirs is, I'm probably not going to train on that day or that the, the time or you know hour or two that I get is only going to be focused on recovery. Whereas like today it's a strength class that I'll be teaching tonight. So I can go and do a workout and I push harder. So it's always about having that balance. But the biggest thing for me right now is because I'm burning so many calories. One, I got to I just got to be on top of my recovery. And it, it's so obvious. It's so like obviously noticeable if I'm not even for a day. And especially I got a whoop. So, I, you know, I'm a science geek nerd. So the more tangible evidence and data I can have and play with the better because you can actually see it. Like the past week, I've not been in the red once in terms of my recovery because I've really been focusing on my, my recovery. Um, so that, this kind of project of turning myself into an endurance athlete is one of those things where my mouth is, uh, I, I talk before I think kind of thing. I just throw myself into the deep end. I'm like, oh, I'll figure out how to swim later. So yeah, transitioning from a strength power, you know, rugby playing athlete into hopefully a long, long, long distance endurance athlete. So I'm absolutely not interested in doing like triathlons, ultra marathons or anything boring like that. I want to do some wild, you know, go hiking for two days up a mountain and snowboard down that bitch or something crazy like that. So I've given myself a year to train, got a couple of sponsors on board to just kind of help me out. And hopefully I can kind of turn, I want to turn this into like a really big project, you know, cause it's, it, you know, scientifically it's pretty cool what I'm going through too, you know, over the last like month has been probably the hardest for me in making that transition, you know, from being an anaerobic kind of powerhouse to long distance endurance. Right. And of course, you know, like I'm big and thick and heavy muscularly where like running absolutely kills me right now. I went for a run like four weeks ago for like 15 minutes. And then the next two days, like every joint in my body hurt, like my shoulders hurt, my neck was hurting, my feet and ankles were aching. It's like, okay, I need to, you know, let's, let's change this approach. So I'm going a lot more, you know, kind of smaller incremental um, increases. Now I just, the other day, what day is it? Thursday, I think Tuesday, I went on a three hour bike ride. So that's the longest like nonstop aerobic based thing I've done. Obviously I wasn't going at any, any type of pace, but I've got, I've got to put my body through a lot of physiological changes right now. And again, literally lose muscle mass. So just trying to find that happy balance of, you know, like 
dropping my calories down to be able to help me lose some weight, but also like not malnourishing myself, right? Because I still have such a high output. You know, yesterday I burned five and a half thousand calories in a day. I still need to eat food, <laughs> you know, otherwise I'm going to burn myself out. So um, I think, you know, for any coach, the biggest thing is we got to practice what we preach. You know, if we're, if we're telling our clients that, you know, outside of this one hour of training a day, we got to worry about all of these other things. I got to do that too. Um, so it kind of helps keep me accountable as well. And that's why I started doing this project because I'm, I'm, I've given up officially. Well, I haven't given up, but I'm officially retired from rugby. I'm not trying to make another comeback. It's done. I get it. I'm too small. I'm going to just keep getting injured. So that's why I figure, okay, endurance, uh, the only way I can get hurt is if I do something dumb and jump off a cliff, which I'll probably do, but whatever. I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's important just to, just to highlight that. And I think you should say you should be sharing this, this journey. Cause it's quite, there's not that many people that I know of off the top of my head who have done something like this, where you're literally trying to shrink your body and you're not yeah. trying to lose weight to get shredded. You're trying to like degrade your muscles so that you're, yeah. so that you weigh less so that you can go for long. And it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Like my, my yeah. legs are so thick. I think uh, we got an in-body scan and, and, you know, it does all the comparative data, you know, like for your, you know, height and weight, here's where you should be. And my leg size is like 140% of what it should be. And I'm like, okay, I got, you know, yeah, I need to change. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, ser it served your purpose previously and it just no longer yeah. does. Right. Yeah, but showing squat, squat a house and, you know, run all over a rugby field and sidestep. But I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think showing, showing what it takes to go through that because people might say uh, others who, you know, run a marathon or do some athletic feat and like, oh, I want to do that too. It's like, mm, mm -hmm. do you? Do you, do you really want to do that? Like you, you have to understand what it takes. If you're willing to pay the price, that's something I always say, if you're willing to pay the price, then good, but understand what the price is, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's going to be the challenge for me is, you know, the psychological, like I was saying to somebody yesterday, um, as I was about to get on my bicycle for two hours and they're like, 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 oh, you have, you know, your headphones on this and that. I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> if I'm running more than 40 yards without a ball in my hand, I'm already over it. If I have to run down the street, I'm bored. Like I'm not built for aerobic, long distance endurance sports whatsoever. So I think for me, the biggest challenge of this whole thing is going to be the psychological challenge. You know, like I have no problem physically working hard. Like I've done that most of my life, you know, whether it's, you know, lifting weights, trying to be an athlete, just, you know, working a manual labor job, you know, like I just, I, I like working with my body, but the, the hardest part for me is the psychological thing right now. And that's why I said, you know, like a month ago, I was just, you know, 10 minute run. 20 minute run, 45 minute run, like one to make sure that my body's, you know, not, not getting hurt and injured and, and breaking down, but just making those small kind of improvements. Again, like I said, kind of for the mind. So like yesterday when I went on a two hour bike ride, I looked at my watch and was like, Oh shit, cool. Like that, that went by like that, you know? So I'm getting my kind of head into that mindset of, you know, being able to like focus on something or, or, or think about something else, but I kind of like monotonous, like boring, like I said, why I have no absolute desire for, for a triathlon or a marathon. Like to me, that just sounds like hell. Like I, I get it. I, I have absolutely mad respect for people that do all that, but I'm not interested at all. Yeah. You're trying to do it to, to do something that's a little bit more fun or more exciting to you. Like, you know, climbing exactly. up a mountain and yeah, snowboarding I'm running, down. Exactly. I want to run up, you know, run up the side of a face and then snowboard down the other side and like, or, you know, on a mountain bike or something. I did an endurance race back when was all oh, four years ago. So right before I left Australia and kind of similar thing, I, you know, I was big, big, big powerlifter at the time. I think I was like 110 105 kilos uh, on a mountain bike doing a four and a half hour enduro race. I barely finished, but I finished. So it's like, I want to get back to doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't need, you know, I don't need to deadlift 500 pounds anymore. I did it when I was younger in my twenties. Cool. Take that box. Like it's not going to do nothing for me anymore. I just, I remember like being that big and that thick and that muscular 
like my bones just ache, like getting off the couch. I'm like, I'm just sore all the time and I'm sick of it. Like, so I did no strength training for almost two years. Actually, it was right before I started working at T-Lab and just did all like, you know, mobility, yoga, like stretching. And, you know, so I'm a lot smaller now. I'm about 185 compared to, like I said, back then 105. So I was probably around like 220 pounds, you know, even more muscular than I am now. So I've already kind of made that drop over the last few years. And this will be kind of another one. But like I said, I'm not doing this to lose weight to get, you know, like skinny or shred or anything like that. If I want to get down maybe about like 10 pounds, but like, I don't, I don't want to be too small either. So it's about kind of finding that happy medium, you know, where I'm still strong. I just want to be able to do everything and not need to think about it. You know, like, Hey, let's go for a two hour bike ride. Yep. Sweet. Rather than like, uh, I don't know if I can do that. And I'm probably going to be really sore tomorrow and you know, I have to work. And like, I just want to be able to do whatever I want to do. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's really, that's really what it's all about, right? Is you want to do that. So someone else doesn't want to do that, but there is something else that you, that one does want to do. And it might not even be athletic. Maybe it's just, being able to walk up the stairs of your building, pick up yeah. your grandkid when you're, when you're 90, like, yeah. you know, whatever life things that you want to do. And that's why all this health and exercise, this is where it really comes down to is mm-hmm. it's almost like a means to an end. You want to be healthy in your life. Therefore you must do X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, like you said, I think the biggest or the most important thing you said there was you don't have to love every second of it. You don't have to, you're not going to, but if you want to lose weight, if you want to get bigger, if you want to be an endurance athlete, there are just boxes you got to check and and then you got to do them because we, we can't, yeah. we can't make the rules. Right. I think that's a great point. And again, with the conversation I had the other day with the person being like, Oh, you do this like for your career. doesn't mean I enjoy it. Like I'm training and I'm in a gym for 10 hours in a day. You think I want to stay for another one hour of my free time and, and work out? No, I'd rather go home and you know eat popcorn and watch a movie or something. But like, you know, again, I got to do what I got to do. So we all got to do things that we don't necessarily want to, you know, for, for that result or, you know, being healthy or whatever it is. Like you have to move your body, man. You have to do that kind of stuff. Like it's almost, it's, I, I tell people it's non-negotiable. Eat real food, drink water and move your body in any way, shape or form of those, the, the three of us. If you don't do them and you don't do them frequently, you're literally cutting years off of your life. And I'm not trying to do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to live forever. So yeah. far, so good. <laughs> and that's, and that's, and that's what it's all about, right? It's just do the simple things. Well, if you want to be a pro athlete, you got to be more specific for 99% of us. Just do the simple things. Well, like you said, eat and real even food, then, drink water. They still got to do the simple things. Well, cause there's yeah. a lot of them that don't, you know, there's a lot of them that don't eat real food, you know, recover well and stay hydrated. You know, they can, they, and I say there's a lot too, is a lot of athletes perform in spite of the way that they train rather than because of the way that they train, right? We can always find that outlier, right? Like, oh yeah, Chad Ochocinco eats nothing but McDonald's all the time. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Cool. Good for him. I tell you, ain't another human on earth that's going to be able to do that. You yeah. know, maybe yeah. one or two out of 7 billion people, maybe, but for the most part, shut up and eat your vegetables. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And these, and you know, these people are the elite of the elite and there's a handful of examples of them. Usain Bolt eating nuggets at the Olympics. And I think uh, Matt Fraser was on uh, Rogan's podcast and uh, he was talking about how after or between events at the CrossFit games, he would uh, just drink Coke and eat Snickers bars. And that yeah, was like, I've been asked so much, so many questions about that lately. I'm like, uh, I would make that recommendation. <laughs> right. And, and like, neither would I, but I mean, it worked for him, but he's a special person and he's an individual Would exactly. that work for 99 like 10,000 calories a day. <laughs> yeah. And if, and if you're not doing that, if you are not Matt Frazier, Usain Bolt, Chad Ochocinco, yeah. whoever, that is not going to serve you in any, in any way, whether you're an athlete or a regular person, but especially right. if you're not an athlete. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And people are like, oh, well, he can eat Snickers, so I can eat him too. No, you need to go burn 10,000 calories a day for the next five years, and then you can eat a Snickers. Yeah, yeah you got to earn that Snickers for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> Amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Like you, like I said, you're, you've are you been a mentor to me, and it's been amazing uh, just connecting with you and, and seeing and having your support through all this stuff. So, absolutely, man. And, and hey, back at you, man. I'm, I'm, you know, call me a mentor. I, that, that means a lot. You know, I, I kind of take that responsibility. Like I said, you know, I just really want to be able to teach and share things that, you know, I never had access to this stuff back when I was, you know, going through the motions. And like I said, you know, 10 years ago, just starting out in school and stuff that I was learning at university, you know, I, I kind of shit on them a lot. You do pick up some good things here and there, but like, there's huge, huge, huge gaps in this industry. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it's, it's like, like I always go back to, it's our duty of care. It's our responsibility, you know, to one, give a shit. And then two, you know, put out the right kind of stuff that's actually going to be able to help people. So, um, you know, your support for, for me is also meant a lot too, man. I appreciate you having me on for sure. Of course, man. Um, tell people where they can find you if they're looking for more stuff and trying to keep up with what you're doing and hopefully the boss cast making a comeback. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just, I'm on Instagram, Boosie the boss, B O U S S Y, uh, the boss, um, math boost on that's pretty much all I got right now. I don't have a website or anything I did for a while, but I'm, I'm, I do too many things at once and I got to cut projects. Um, yeah, that's about it right now. Um, is in Hermosa beach. I'm in movies out here. I want to get in a training session. I always love shooting shit. Um, yeah, that's probably uh, pretty much what I got going on right now. Definitely, I, I want to bring the boss cause back when I get a little kind of time and kind of rejig my original thoughts and, and emotions with that. Um, but yeah, there's always something going on. I, I don't know. I'll, you know me, I always got something up my sleeve that'll come out sooner or later. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'll put the links to that stuff in the in the bio or the show notes of this thing as well. Um, that's that. Anything else you want to leave the people with? Be good or be good at it. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, that's that, Matt. Thank you. Take Hell it yeah. easy. Absolutely, brother. Appreciate you, man. Talk soon. Thank you so much for your time and attention. It is greatly appreciated as always. I hope you were able to take some things from this conversation that you're able to apply to your life starting from today. I'll be sure to put Coach Matt's contact information below. His Instagram handle is Bousy, the boss, B-O-U-S-S-Y the boss. I believe that's right, but it'll get right in the show notes anyways. And myself, just my name, Daniel Yoris on Instagram. Feel free to reach out to either of us. More than happy to help out in any way that we can. And if you enjoyed this, make sure you share it with a friend. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're not missing out on future stuff. And if you can, leave a rating and review on iTunes. It goes a really long way in just helping this thing grow. So that's that. Have a great rest of the day. We'll chat soon.